Welcome to the Writing with Purpose podcast where I, Anna Wollescroft, chat with fellow writers and outdoor enthusiasts about how we can embrace creativity and curiosity to live a life full of adventure that doesn't feel like hard work. I delve into exploratory conversations about my two loves in life, writing and nature connection, as part of my mission to share the well-being benefits they both bring. It's wonderful to have you here today. In this engaging episode, I chat with Will Armstrong, the teetotal trainer, about how to create a positive, holistic and spiritual approach to improving life. At the time of recording this episode, Will was almost six years free from alcohol, drugs and cigarettes. Will shares his story of breaking free from bad habits, using connection, community, accountability, insight, discipline and a solid self-care routine. Good morning. Hi, Will. Thank you very much for joining me on the Writing with Purpose podcast. I'm very excited to get stuck into talking to you about writing, the great outdoors, creativity, all of that sort of stuff, and how that relates to what you do, which is very different to a lot of the people I've spoken to uh, on the podcast to date. So you are the teetotal trainer. I am. Yes. Very, very, uh, very different to what most people do. Mm. But there is uh, there is definitely a demand. Definitely, yeah. So just to sort of set the scene, um, you are a sobriety coach um, and you have your your own journey, shall we say, um, and you support people now to recover from um, addiction, predominantly alcohol and cocaine. There's a lot of forms of addiction out there though, isn't there? It's not just limited to sort of substance abuse. I think there's a lot of people who are addicted to our modern world, technology, that sort of thing. So would it be okay um, if you could maybe share some of the reasons perhaps why people might get addicted, some of those psychological, um, physiological kind of elements and, and maybe share a little bit of your own story if you're comfortable with that. We'll just sort of set the scene for people and then we can kind of dive into, well, how can these other things help? <laughs> yeah, of course. And yeah, I'm I'm 100% uh, comfortable. As you can imagine, there's a lot of barriers when you start sharing online that you used to drink to excess and take cocaine. So yeah. <clears throat> exposure is the key to that. And I think it all started with my own journey. This is how this came about, which, you know, I was living in London in my 20s. I was running a luxury hotel bar. And with that lifestyle came a lot of drinking, a lot of drug abuse. And it was all very glamorized. So I never really saw it as being an issue. Mm. And I got to the point where I was just so sick and tired of feeling like that and feeling like I was out of control. And I couldn't manage it the way I saw other people seem to be managing it. And I decided to get out of that lifestyle and, and stop both of them. And I knew it wasn't going to be easy. And I knew I wanted to do it differently to the way the rest of the world seemed to do it, which was 12-step programs. Um, mm. And I found that I wanted to do it in a way where I didn't have to dwell on the identity of me being uh, an alcoholic or an addict. And this was my approach to it, which is I don't even use the word addiction. I don't use the word sobriety. I take away all forms of labels. And what I do is I focus on the positive, holistic and spiritual approach to improving our lives and focusing on that, because I truly believe if we keep focusing on those substances, we are going to manifest them back into our lives. Mm. But instead, it's not so much about avoiding them, but creating a life so good that you wouldn't even think of them. They don't even come into your mind anymore. And during my journey over the first few years, I didn't know that this was what it was going to lead me to. In fact, I left hospitality and I, I became a personal trainer because exercise okay. was such a huge part of my journey. 
And I thought, this is what I want to do. And every time I was training with someone, I was trying to talk to them about how's your drinking and, and your diet and your sleep and do you do any meditation? And I realized exercise was a small slice of a much bigger pie. Yeah. And it was actually on my four years of no drinking. I put a post on Instagram talking about my journey and saying that I'm here to speak to anyone if anyone needs any help, if anyone's struggling. And the amount of demand that came from that one post was really? wild. There were so many people, and this was people I knew on Instagram. These are friends. Yeah. So I realized that if all these people who seem absolutely fine are struggling, there must be so many people out there who are not happy with this. And lo and behold, years later, I realized that, yeah, I was absolutely right. There are so many people out there that are struggling. Mm. And I found a lot of the time, all, all we need is just someone to voice it. And because it's something like alcohol, where the rest of the country is so normalized and encouraged with drinking and cocaine, which is illegal and people don't even feel comfortable talking about it just me talking about it openly puts so many people at ease and thinks wow I can actually resonate with this it's the first person I see talking about it which obviously takes a lot of courage or maybe even stupidity to talk about it online as much as I do <laughs> courage I would say <laughs> courage let's go with courage let's go with but, courage um, stay with the positives <laughs> yeah and I think I you know I'm, I, I feel so fulfilled personally in what I do because I know the way in which I help people works yeah. It's incredibly effective. And one of the most effective ways of doing that is just talking about it. You know, it's very cliche to say that, you know, the first step is admitting it and the second step is talking about it. Mm. And it's really, really true. You know, when we keep things inside, when we keep it inside our head, it does not get any better. Nothing gets processed. Nothing gets solved. It just whirls around and then eventually gets suppressed to revisit us at a later date. Yeah. So even we just ru talking ruminate about, it, about it. Yeah, exactly. And I'm no stranger to that. That was pretty much my life for so many years and I once I break down that barrier where someone's able to talk about it then we can bring them into our program where we focus massively <clears throat> on four pillars which is connection with other people that have been through it and gotten out of it the accountability of being with that group the insights you can gain and shift your perspective on as why it was happening and also a very strong self-care routine which consists of exercise sleep diet breathing techniques meditation and cold water therapy uh, and I for this podcast, <laughs> I should I should probably throw journaling in there as well <laughs> perfect perfect I mean a lot of those things that you mentioned there within that program are, are things that really we, we should be encouraged to do every day because it does just help our well-being in general um and yeah there's the sort of it's one of those things that I think people think oh, I haven't got time to do that. Um, you know, what's the point in doing that? And it, it is just so helpful. And just to have somebody talk about it and talk about their own experience and just make it uh, normalize it almost um, is is the start, isn't it? And that that one Instagram post that you put out there was, you know, you sort of bearing a few truths and then seeing how, you know, that was the response that you needed to think, hey, this is this is where I'm this is where my purpose is, if you like. And I think there's there's a phrase, isn't there? I'm not sure what it is, but I've heard quite a few people mention it that um, you know, no matter what the profession is, but if you are being of service to other people, then that is so fulfilling to to you as a person, as an individual for what you are doing. And it, it sounds as though you have just found that optimal place. You know, you, you're kind of beaming as as uh, as I'm looking at you because I've those people that are listening, this has been recorded and we're actually looking at each other over Zoom as well. And uh, yeah, it's just, it suits you. 
<laughs> Thank you. And do, do you know what was funny? When I put that video out, they got all that response. I had tried to run an online workout earlier that day. I was living in Thailand at the time. And I put out a, I, I tried to organize this live workout and no one turned up. Wow. And I was like, I, in my head, I was like, no, don't worry. This is all part of the process. People yeah. will come. You've got to keep doing what you're doing. And then I go and do a video about something else and it explodes on social media. And I went, yeah, maybe there's something okay. in this. <laughs> maybe I should focus on this a little bit. And then I did and it just started to gain traction. And um, yeah, I found, I, I basically unearthed um, a part of our culture, which is just not being addressed properly. Mm. Um, and then, then as soon as I saw that, I thought, well, this is my duty. I have to do this. And <laughs> a huge part of... Um, looking after ourselves is being of service and giving back yeah. the more we try and focus just on ourselves the less we're likely to find happiness it's 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 my purpose 100 percent through and through is just trying to help as many people as possible yeah brilliant and uh, and congratulations for finding that purpose as well and you know going through what you've been through and then finding a new direction and it just being so fulfilling um you mentioned um spirituality at the start uh, which is something that I kind of delve into a little bit um, but do you think that was kind of part of the calling shall we say? 100% you know mm. I, I have no doubt that the day that I decided to stop drinking it was a, a, a huge spiritual awakening for me and yeah. it was it was no uh, no coincidence that a year later I found myself living in a monastery in northern Thailand oh. with monks and, you know, we used to we used to meditate for like eight hours a day. It was the most intense thing I've ever been yeah. to, to be honest. Yeah. But it was just it was opening my eyes to a whole different world. Mm. And I realized that if you have any of these substances in your life, like alcohol or drugs, you're you're just never going to find that same mindset. And I notice it with everyone who breaks free from these things in our program. I can just see them going through these wild transformations. Yeah. And it's uh, it's really enjoyable to see. Actually, you kind of relive it through them. Yeah, because I guess there's a point where they think, oh, look at this big wild world around me and what I've been missing out on. And I think that's part of, for me, where sort of the, the creativity side comes in. I mean, I'd never say that I've been addicted to anything. I obviously used to go clubbing when I was younger and there was probably a few too many nights of drinking. Um, but it was just when I went out, I was more, I suppose you could be addicted to that social scene as well during that period of time um but for me as I've gotten older I've noticed so much around me and really creativity and finding new ways to be creative and you touched on it there about the um the sort of feeling that you get of, of almost if I if I can say being in flow of what it is that you're doing and being connected to everything um and there's uh th th there's there's nine elements, and I can never remember this guy's name. It's Dr. Chimal. I'll have to include it in the show notes anyway, but he's got these nine elements of, of creative flow. And one of them is just enjoying the experience and not having that reason for doing something at the end of it, which I think is where a lot of us go towards and possibly how some of these addictions form is that we get addicted to the end result, that reward that we get or that all that feeling at the end um or sort of you know not everything around us holistically at the time if that makes sense I feel as though I've babbled a little bit there but I know what I was trying to say in my head <laughs> oh, I, I get it completely and that is how it starts you know once you mm. get a reward from something your brain remembers that and then the next time it comes into your periphery that reward will trigger you 
to go into a craving and that craving you respond to it and when you get that response you get the reward that's the, the habit loop and the yeah. more times you do it the stronger it gets you know it's the brain physically changes so mm. that if you've built up a habit for so many years you know this is as well why a lot of people struggle to break free from something like alcohol for instance is because they've been drinking for 20 30 40 years and after six weeks without it they feel so good they think yeah. they've broken it they go mm. oh, I'm, I'm fine i could probably just go back and have one now mm. and then they're straight back into it so it's 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 important to to realize that but that that habit loop can come with anything you mm. know the same thing i see or in myself which was alcohol and drugs I've had people approach me and it'd be specific to something like Pepsi Max. Yeah, and, so sugar or a caffeine. Yeah, and he would, you know, he used to sneak out of his house and buy 10 cans of Pepsi Max and drink them, put them in the bin, cancel the bank statements, like everything, because it was that same kind of, I cannot not do this. Yeah, And it comes in the form of, yeah, it, it, it's sugar, uh, food, gambling, work, all mm. of these things. We can get really into that loop and it just strengthens and strengthens until we feel so much shame around what we're doing we don't talk about it mm. and it only gets worse so that's the main thing you've got to talk about these things you've got to process what's going on without shame without embarrassment and that's what i do i make it incredibly casual yeah. you know it's not for me it's not bizarre to struggle with alcohol or cocaine because i feel like the whole country is yeah it's actually the most <laughs> normal thing going on so i'm like yeah yeah but it's just one of those taboo subjects that people don't talk about and it's it's almost one of those is the same as I suppose um sex education in schools you know why not bring some of this into schools obviously from a certain age when they're mature enough to take it on um but just point out you know the, the dangers of it really um and uh, that across society and not not just alcohol but you know everything else I mean I think sugar now sugar convenience foods that sort of thing is it's rife of, of people being addicted to that you know and then all of these diseases and things that that come that accompany with that long term you know diabetes heart disease all of that sort of stuff and it's just through having cravings and the addictions for for things that just aren't good for us um I yeah. mean I say let's you know let's all go back and live in the woods <laughs> cook our own food oh I'm I'm there with you I'm yeah. there with you and I think uh, you know especially when I came back to the UK and I noticed uh, the food here because, you know, in, in Southeast Asia, in certain places that the food is very, very fresh. You know, you go into a restaurant, order a chicken, you can, you can hear it clucking out the back. <laughs> Whereas when I, when I came over here, I would notice the amount of sugar, the amount of uh, E numbers, everything in our food. And for me, I truly believe that what you put into your stomach is how your brain is going to work a hundred percent. Mm. And if we're putting the wrong things in, not even through our fault of our own, we just we advertise these things as being healthy or organic when in fact they're packed full of sugar and mm. processed food. And what that does is it just affects the way your brain works. And your brain is so closely linked to your emotions. That's where they come from. Yeah. So when you when you attach to your thinking mind, which is what happens when we're in that um, habit loop, we are unconscious to what's going on we're not conscious of what's happening around us we're in that unconscious mode where we're so attached to our thoughts and that's why it feels like such a suffering but if we get to a point where we can detach from that and be completely aware and conscious suddenly we see it in a whole different light mm. most people think that giving up a habit or breaking a habit should be this big battle and a big challenge but if you gain clarity over it and step out of that you realize it doesn't have to be a challenge all it takes is awareness not strength yeah. and it 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 works yeah, that's a brilliant way to put it. Awareness, not strength. 
Yeah, because I think people do. And and a lot of this is depicted in the media as well, isn't it? Of you know, people going cold turkey and having this really troublesome life trying to get off whatever it is that they they're 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 addicted to. Um, whereas all it takes really is, yeah, awareness, that clarity, and just really a mindset of saying, okay, um, you know, I I I don't drink or I don't eat sugar or I don't watch TV or whatever that might be. Um, and then, you know, hey presto. Yeah. I'm not saying it's easy, but you know, it, it, you've you've got to be strong in the in the mind. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely <laughs> challenges, but you know, when I, for instance, I think it was last year, I hit two thousand days, and I shared it with our community, and you know, just as a bit of inspiration. Mm. And a lot of people always say, "Wow, you must be so strong mm. to do that." And for me, I'm like, it doesn't feel like strength at all. I'm not resisting anything. Yeah. In fact, I've got the clarity where I genuinely don't want it anymore. Yeah. And people say to me, but like, if you go into a bar, is there not that small part of you that wants to have it? And I always say, well, if you go into a room and everyone's banging their heads, does it make you want to bang your head? <laughs> and you think that doesn't make any sense. That's how I see it. I see like yeah. everyone's banging heads. It serves no purpose, but it brings me pain. And I see it as being pointless. Genuinely mm. how I see it. It mm. would never tempt me. Mm. But if you have everyone in the room banging their heads, there might be part of you going, well, it seems like there's something Maybe I should give it a go. Just just one. And then it's yeah, it's just the analogy that you get to that point where you genuinely don't want it anymore. And yeah. you've broken that habit. And it takes it takes a level of presence and mm. clarity to get to that point. Mm. And that's that's the way I work, which I believe is so different to everything else out there, which is like we need to sit down and talk about what went wrong. Let's keep bringing it up. Let's keep reopening that wound. Mm. It doesn't serve a purpose. My goal is to create a better life. And if we're going to sit around thinking about all the things that were bad, We've spent enough time thinking about that. That's why we're so miserable. Yeah. Let's not focus on that. There's nothing, unless we can get something productive out of it, as in learn a lesson from it for the future, mm-hmm. then all I'm going to do is focus on the future, what I can do, what I can improve today to improve my life, the small habits day to day. And, you know, each day adds up. The compound interest of that is you create the best life you've had. You do. Yeah. And that's bang on. I think for a lot of us, we live in our heads that you've touched on before, but we live in the past in our heads as well. So we're constantly playing that over. And there's to a point almost trying to understand, well, why, why? Well, you know, there's a point where, okay, this is, this is why, and this is what happened that kind of led me down that path. But once that's clear, then you just, yeah, you live for your future self and it's just, okay, well, what steps can I put into place today? tomorrow the next day to actually get there and then when you're there there's then something else that you can focus on in the future so really there's no point in looking back in the past and I think that's that's a great tool uh, sorry a great place where journaling can come in as a tool and a practice where people can just you know write down what's going on in their head that's cathartic in itself just getting it out there organizing it looking at it reflective and then planning that then for the future and using that as a you know a safe space to kind of of plan that and also recording how you feel about things how you feel about those negative things or positive things you know cold bath experience for the first time you know what what did that feel like and and there's so much um richness there i think that you can glean from that um and then yeah move move to your future 
to your future self. So is there anything there? I suppose if we if we could touch on journaling then, because we we first met at uh, a breathwork and cold water experience, hadn't we? Which I'd never done before. Although looking at your Instagram, you've done it quite a few times. And you mentioned when we first started that that's part of your process now when working with people. Uh, for me, that was just horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, out of in a good way. Out of all the out of all the years that I've done it, it didn't make it any easier. That one that we <laughs> did was really difficult because I think there's a difference when you're. You know, I started doing ice baths when I was living in Bali. Which, mm. when you're really, really, you know, you're you're riding to the gym and it's thirty degrees, and you jump in the ice, you get out, it's still thirty degrees. It's quite nice. But when we're doing mm. it in the middle of a farm in a on a cold UK afternoon it felt a bit different but it was nice <laughs> because we were all in there together mm. but yeah it's it's definitely been the breath work and, and cold water are things that I've picked up over the years uh, on my own journey and I just saw the benefits of them massively mm. yeah I mean just that, that that elation at the end of it you know that achievement that okay that was a bit of a challenge I wasn't sure about that and the breath work helped um and yeah it's just well if I can do this I can do anything so it's all feeding into that mindset, isn't it? And it's, you know, look at the things that I'm achieving, look at all of this new stuff that is so much fun. And yeah, you just you focus on getting more of that instead of living in the past. Yeah. And I'm going to go a little bit Eckhart Tolle here, but the first oh, that's book fine. I read, Love him. <laughs> the first book I read when I stopped was The Power of Now. And it, it really made me realize that all of the shame that I felt was living in the past and all of the anxiety I felt was living in the future. Mm. And in fact, the real route to happiness wasn't some long distant goal of being like, once I get there, it'll be okay. Once I do this, it'll be okay. Because we know that doesn't happen. As soon as you get there, there's the next thing and the next yeah. thing. And in fact, the happiness I've felt in my life comes from being in that moment. It's the little things, you know, yeah. even just, just being here right now, having my decaf coffee, talking to you, that is, that's the, it's those moments in the presence mm. of being here that's what makes it it's all about. But most of us, if not all of us, live so deeply inside of our own head and our, our story-making mind mm. of constantly ruminating on things that have happened or panicking about things that most likely will never happen. Yeah. And the more we can control that and change that, the happier we are. And when you get to a point of complete presence, which isn't easy and I is, is almost unattainable in so many ways, but I will mm. never stop working to get that. And I've had glimmers of it. And it's the best best feeling I've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. And it just achieving that or getting any, anywhere close to that is clarity. Like you say, it's that awareness. And I found that being outside helps me with that. So just going on a walk or going on a run. So I'm a trail runner. Um, I love running. I don't really like the road running quite so much. I love the trail runs because of just what's out there and what I see. And I'm always the person behind, particularly if we're walking, you know, I see something. Oh, look at that bug there. Or, you know, look at that, the color of that flower or the texture of that. How how amazing is that? So, and I think a lot of that comes from, as you say, it's the little things and it's being present with them in the moment. And it's not being, you know, you can be in a room full of people that you enjoy being with, but you're not actually there in your head. You're somewhere else. You're, you're thinking about something that's happened or you're worrying, as you say, the anxiety of the future. Um, and yeah, the little things are what bring us back to the moment and you know just really help us to enjoy what's there around us and and I think part of that as well is um you know you just being gratitude and being happy with what you've got and not 
trying to you know always achieve something else you know assets particularly just you know what you've got there with you so yeah it's uh well that's in part of our community we have an online community and we have all these different chats so we we have chats about alcohol cocaine anxiety food relationships and one of the chats is just called morning gratitudes and what i do is i get everyone in there every morning to share three to five gratitudes three things that they're grateful for in their day and you can see when you put the focus in your mind on those things, you don't see the lack, you see what you have. Yeah. And it's a really, really powerful practice, which I'm sure you are so aware of and do yourself. <laughs> and it's a huge part of journaling as well. But I find just having them write that out is is so powerful for them to change the way they see the world. Yeah, definitely. And it's for people that don't journal or for those people that think I haven't got time, I don't know what to write. That is such a super place to start is just having those three things. You can do it morning, you can do it night or you could do it both. I used to do it both, actually, when I first uh, when I first started journaling, you know, in depth and thinking, oh, this is something that I could, you know, I could turn into a, a career as such. Um, it's, yeah, just think about those little things. You know, I'm grateful to have all of my limbs to go out walking. I'm grateful for the eyesight so I can see the birds in the trees. I'm grateful for the decaf coffee and having a chat with somebody in the morning. You know, it's, it's, it is, it's those little things. And every time I put a post up on social media, my, my personal list says, um, gratitude is always a hashtag that I use because what I'm sharing is something that's happened to me that day it's usually a run somewhere it's a sunset it's a sunrise you know it's a, a kingfisher that I saw for the first time on New Year's Day this year that I thought okay that's a sign for 2024 um you know the gratitude of what we're grateful for um it's very powerful small thing but very powerful yeah 100% I think it's it's such a, an important part of this and like I said when I first decided I wanted to get out of hospitality I wanted to get into personal training which I did but that's that's such a small part of this like we're talking about mm. there's so many different aspects of your overall wellness and happiness both mental and physical and I'm a big fan of looking at every single one of them anything that makes me feel better it's almost like I've I'm, I'm addicted to that I'm addicted to feeling better feeling more calm and present and motivated fulfilled purpose-led living yeah. and yeah. uh yeah I love um, it and what a great addiction to have. Yeah. <laughs> if I can say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, think... sometimes, sorry, sometimes people say to me, you know, they see me exercising, they go, oh, you've just replaced one addiction with another. Mm. And, you know, like I, I, I don't use the word addiction because I don't like to label anything as that. It's something that I enjoy. And if I enjoy, it, I want more of it. But to be honest, you know, exercising is an incredible one to have because yeah. exercising is good for us. We need to be exercising. If you get to the point where you struggle to take a rest day as opposed to struggle to get to the gym, for me, that's a win. Mm. And I know that feeling because today is my rest day and all I want to do is go work out or go for a run. <laughs> but I'm like, this has distracted me, which is good. <laughs> oh, well, you're very welcome. <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, just that movement as well, the movement of the body, the physical body helps to move the mind as well. So, you know, you don't become, you're not stagnant in either area, either, you know, the physical side or the mental side. And we, you know, before language, before technology, all of that, you know, we, we paid more attention to our bodies, to our feelings of the body rather than what was in our head um so I think any kind of movement and you know the, the more kind of exhilarating movement the better obviously because that releases certain chemicals in your in your brain and that sort of thing which is good for you um but also variety of I think if you if you just go and do weights then 
could that be considered a bit more of addiction maybe if you do it every day then if maybe you do that three times a week then you go swimming then you go running and it's all of that variety because holistically it's working on the whole body and not just certain parts uh, I mean I you know I, I like exercise but I'm no expert on that but that's kind of my take on on the whole exercise is just you know get out there and move and and, and, and choose something that you enjoy um but have some variety as well yeah a, a good friend of mine um is a is a coach fitness coach and that's one of the things he says which is it's all about intentional movement mm. and the more you can diversify it the better because then the body is constantly being tested and energy released in so many different ways but you know usually people find one thing they like and they'll just keep doing that but I like the idea of changing it you know there are a few things I prefer which is uh, boxing running weight training cycling those kind of things mm. I love but if there's a chance to try something new I'm all over it yeah and stretching as well stretching is a big one yeah just having a, having a time where you you just stretch most people see stretching as like the pre or post mm. workout but for me stretching is a workout if you do it properly it's it's tougher than a workout yeah for sure that's a good way to look at it uh, you're right people who see it as a pre and a post warming up the muscles getting a little bit looser so that you can do whatever it is that you need to do or so that they don't stiffen up at the end of whatever it is that you've done but yeah seeing it as a as an exercise I've done a few stretching sessions on YouTube actually with my partner's daughter who's eight and we do what's her name her name's Anna uh, she's American. Um, she looks about 13. She's about 22, but she does these stretching and she's, I think she's a cheerleader or that's, that's what she was, but she does. I mean, she's, she's a contortionist. She's not just physically very flexible yeah. <laughs> and I do those sometimes I think right okay there's there's something tight there that needs to be worked on a little bit more and I'm going through that at the moment I've, I've been to see the physio and uh, he's given me some exercises to work on my hamstrings um because being a runner is you know we tend to sort of front load things don't we um yeah. and so he's given me some uh, exercises specifically for the hamstrings and the glutes and, and boy they're hard but I want to do more. I want to work my way up to ultra runs. Um, so wow. I'm not interested in a marathon. <laughs> For some reason, I want to jump to the ultra distance. Um, I've done a marathon in terms of distance, but never a, a you know a, an organised race. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm, that's kind of one of my goals for this year is to work on the bits that I haven't been working on, so that I can, um, yeah. Completely no injury. <laughs> well, do you know one of the what the second book I read when I when I stopped was uh, "Can't Hurt Me" by David Goggins. And okay, I'm not heard of that one. Oh well, he is a he was um, a Navy SEAL in the US mm -hmm. turned ultra marathon runner. Right. And I, you know, I'm I'm sure a lot of people uh, listening might know who David Goggins is, but he is just he's not worldly. He is another species and he is just his mindset is wild and I, I read his book I loved it it changed the way I saw the world still didn't make me want to do ultras though <laughs> hearing those stories was pretty intense but I, I, I credit anyone who uh who goes down that path because it is just yeah that's that's next level consciousness and, and mm. mental resilience for sure yeah, I'll I'll have to invest in that one because I did um I did a, a an event called Escape from Meriden in November last year, which if you know where Meriden is, it's the centre of England. So very simple. You start from Meriden, you run wherever to reach 30, 60, or 90 miles as the crow flies. 
Um, so we'd plotted this um, this route to come back up to the Cheshire Way, which is where I'm based. And um, we, we was going to be around about 36 miles as the crow flies, but we wanted to do the 61, the 60 miles, which was about 72 as the crow flies. Now, there was a bit of a mindset thing going on with me, definitely, um, because I, I was up for doing the 60. But when I realised it was actually going to be 70 something, something happened up here yeah um and i think okay i hadn't convinced myself that i was able to do that um so i actually retired at 25 miles because my knees and my hips were shot but i think there was a lot going on up here that wasn't helping me as well hence mm. why i'm training now and i'm working on other muscles because that's you know there's unfinished business there that needs to be attended to do you know, it's, it's a very similar mindset to what I use on our program. I was watching a video the other day of a runner who was running about, he was running about 70 kilometers a day, every day. Wow. And he said the phrase, which I loved, you eat the elephant one bite at a time. <laughs> and he said, if I was to start running in the morning, knowing I'm going to run 70 kilometers, I wouldn't get anywhere. But the idea of just moving my body quite slowly at a reasonable pace for about 12 to 15 hours, I can do that. That's all yeah. right. And by that point, I'll be there. And it's the same mindset. If someone comes to me and I say, listen, do you want to stop drinking for good? Panic. Well, I can't do anything. No, not forever. Like what happens? And you go into a bit of a panic of what's going to happen down the line at this and this. You go, okay, let's forget that. Mm. Do you want to stop today? Do you want to just go today without it? Well, yeah, today seems manageable. Okay, let's work on that. Forget what's happening in the future. Mm. Forget any of that because that doesn't serve a purpose right now. And then people, you know, one of the first guys I ever helped, he said, I really want to stop. And I know I can, but I've got my best friend's wedding in three months in South Africa. And I'm the best man. There's no way I'm giving a speech without having a drink first. I said, okay, don't, don't yeah. think about that. We can deal with that later because by the time you get there, you're not going to feel like the same person. Your mind is going to be different. So mm. trying to make a decision now makes no sense. What we need to do now is start working on daily routines, getting things started, changing your perceptions, getting you to meet a few people, talking about it. And by the time you get there, it will be completely different. And... As he got there, there was nothing worse he could think of than having a drink. And they even went on, on vineyard tours. And, and every day when people were hungover in bed, he was climbing up Table Mountain five Brilliant. days in a row, just yeah. having the best, the best time. And he was like, if I can do that, I can do anything. And it makes mm -hmm. you realize that you don't have to make a decision now for something in the future. You make a decision when you're there. Now mm. you make a decision for today. Mm. And that comes back to the whole presence thing. We, we get overwhelmed with future events that paralyzes in the moment, mm. which logically makes no sense. So you think, okay, something's coming up. I'm aware it's coming up, but what I'm going to do now is put the work in so that when I get there, my decision-making is exactly as it should be. Yeah. And it'll be better than it is now. So I always tell people that don't worry about the future and that can be put into running. It's like, mm. you're not struggling now. You're only a kilometer in, mm. you know, if you're struggling, wait till, wait till, you know, 60 kilometers and then you can make a decision. But yeah. thinking about that now is like right now, all I've got to do is put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And keep so present in that mindset. You're like, oh, I can keep doing that for ages. Yeah. And then it makes it a lot easier. But it's how the mind can basically overwhelm and trick us mm. without us actually being physically overwhelmed. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, there's a, yeah, a lot of lessons learned, really, of just staying in the present and putting one small step at a time and not worrying about the the future. I did. A, I, 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 talking to you now makes me feel as though I'm a bit of an, an adrenaline junkie. <laughs> <laughs> well at this time last year I was on a trek um climbing Mount Kilimanjaro um wow. in Tanzania so again high altitude no experience of that 
anxiety around that quite a lot. Um, but I, I was aware of it. I was aware that I was feeling this. I was aware that this wasn't helping me. Um, so I, I spoke to someone that I know who does the, the rapid transformational therapy um so it's like a hypnotherapy and um she did me a little recording that was personalized to me um based on what I was going to be doing and I just I listened to that every night and it was brilliant because it put me kind of in the right I suppose the present moment but she she also subconsciously was giving me messages that I was going to be okay and you know that really worked for me and I would say that it wasn't easy but there was no way I was not getting to the top yes yeah. and but it was just one foot in front of it you know it took us seven hours on the morning of the, the summit to reach the top in freezing cold weather um but it was just one you know we were literally like this just one step at a time um which is what we you know we can apply that to anything can't we just one step at a time you'll get where you exactly. need to mm. and I've, I've been telling myself that a lot recently we eat the elephant one bite at a time yeah and it's a good phrase it, yeah, and I really liked it, and it's it's so true. And I don't know if you uh, ever watched Friends. Of course you watched Friends. Everyone watched Friends. Of course. <laughs> and there was that one episode where Chandler was getting married, and he was so panicked about it. And Ross said to him, we're just going to do one thing at a time. So it's like, first thing, you're going to have a shower. And it's like, I can have a shower. It's like, yeah, you can have a shower. And then the next step was, okay, now we're going to get dressed. And it kind of, and then the funny part is when he says, "All right, now we're going to get married," and then he starts to panic again. But it's <laughs> it's it's the idea of breaking that down, and you know, the idea that you had that to listen to, and and you were present with what was going on. I found that over the past five to six years, I've used the same soundtrack to meditate to, mm. you know, for for some periods every single day, and my brain is so associated to that ambient sound that I can put it on, and it will instantly make me go, Ooh, yeah, and calm down. And I think that's something really, really powerful. And sometimes the the most deep sleep I've ever had is if I have a nap in the afternoon, I put it on in the background and my it just relaxes my nervous system instantly. Yeah. And I feel so calm because it reminds me of, it's, it's kind of like a tropical rain sound. And it reminds me of being in huts in Vietnam and Thailand when it is tropical rain mm. and the, the power's out, there's nothing to do and you're just sat there being present. And it yeah. really takes me back to that. So it's, it's really powerful to, to, to have those practices. And like you do when you're drinking or in any habit where you start reinforcing that neural pathway, when you break it, you do the same thing. And it's been proven that our brain will physically change about how we think about our thinking, which yeah. is the wildest thing. Just how present you are with your own thinking physically changes your brain. So the more time you spend actively pushing yourself to be present, I always say meditating is like going to the gym, but for your mind. You've mm. got to go there. It's not always enjoyable. It's tough work, but the benefits build up over time. It's compounded. Mm. You don't, you know, for instance, you don't run a marathon off one day's, one day's training. You know, it's no. like people going, meditating once and saying, why am I not enlightened yet? And yeah. it's like, you know, it's, it's something that has to be done every day. Yeah. You know, you, you brush your teeth every day. Doesn't mean you get to a point where you go, finally, they're clean. I don't need to brush mm -hmm. them anymore. <laughs> Meditation should just be part of that. And we don't, we're not reactive. We don't wait until we have a cavity to brush our teeth. We brush it because it's proactive because mm. we know by doing that, we avoid that. So mm. I tell people meditation is the same thing. A lot of people say, I don't feel like I needed to meditate. And you could say, well, I don't feel like I need to brush my teeth today, but I know what will happen if I don't. Yeah. The same rule applies with meditation. You do it because what happens if you don't is you go back into that mindset where you're anxious, you're stressed, you can dwell on the past, you can dwell on the future and you're not present. 
and mm. therefore you're not happy. So that's that's my thoughts about it. Yeah, it's a it's a powerful thing, meditation, and you you made me re remember. I used to listen to a podcast that was Sounds of Nature, so rainforests, um, you know, the animal sounds, the rain, uh, also wind turbines as well was one on there, which was very relaxing. And wow. um, I struggle with meditation, I have to say. Um, it's maybe I haven't found the right piece of music to listen to. Maybe I haven't found the right space because all of those things create that optimal environment for you don't you so that you can relax in that so what would you recommend for someone that's perhaps coming to meditation then for the first time of as, as have you got any tips I mean you know it gets it will get easier and as you calm the mind because that's something for me I do I do struggle to I am aware when I'm I say when I'm conscious um I observe a lot I notice a lot and I, I take all of that on I suppose I'm more mindful, but I struggle with meditation. If I can perhaps make the difference there. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. I mean, meditation is just the practice to try and improve that mindfulness. Mm. And the biggest struggle I've ever had with meditation is I sit down and I have that intense feeling of boredom or I'm not really doing this right. Do I need to do this? Oh, this is a bit, it's a bit dull. It's a bit boring. And that was something which it's something that's huge amongst people that have habits of things that give you an intense dopamine rush, such as alcohol, cocaine, food, sugar. The one thing when we don't have them, life seems really boring. And mm. that's what most people say. I say, why do you do, why do you take cocaine? They say, because I'm, I'm bored. And mm. I'm like, we know the, the huge risks that come with that. We know how much it affects your life. You spend all your money and we do it because we're afraid of being bored. Mm. So clearly the thing to do is we need to get comfortable doing nothing. And that was my challenge, my mindset to myself. I want to be in a position where I can have no stimulation, no entertainment and feel entirely entertained and stimulated. And that comes with practice. So if anyone's, you know, going new into meditation, I always recommend doing guided meditation, just mm. someone to keep you there because I've, I've sat down to meditate for 15 minutes and then come at the end of it and not even remembered a single moment. I wasn't present for any of it. And you go, oh, that was a waste of time. And it can be really, really frustrating. So having that guided meditation is really helpful for someone to just help you be more aware of your breathing, of your body, of your thoughts. And it's to give yourself, um, to not to not give yourself a hard time. You know, that's the main thing because we usually sit there and go, oh, well, I'm not comfortable. Oh, that's not right. Oh, God, I'm not, I'm not, why am I not calm? I should be calmer. And just going in, it's the same thing when someone can't sleep. Yeah. And we go, right, I need to sleep. Oh, it's it's been 20 minutes. I haven't been to sleep yet. Oh, no, now I've only got this much time. And it, you kind of hype yourself up to the point that you're less likely to sleep. And it's the same thing. Meditation should not, in my mind, be an enjoyable process. Maybe sometimes it is. Maybe sometimes you are relaxed. But meditation is that going to the gym. It's the tough work that needs to be done. The benefits you get from it are not during it. It's for the rest of the day. Mm. And that's, that's something which is really important because people go, do you know, I meditated, but it wasn't really that relaxing. I'm like, perfect you know it's almost like you're going to war with your mind and be like no stop thinking and we can never stop ourselves thinking but you become the observer of what's happening in your mind it gives you that space it stops your mind being overwhelmed because today's society you are overstimulated yeah. all of us are overstimulated you know and like you say i just want to go and live in the woods where <laughs> you can just be so present with nature it's much easier to be present when you're in nature mm. without a doubt when you're around, you know, the news being on Netflix, friends, drinking, pub, like it can be fun, but it, you're not present, you know. And that's, that's one thing I used to really be annoyed at when I would go for a night out and I'd drink and I'd take drugs. 
And before I know it, the night is over. And I'm like, oh, I wish I could go back. I wasn't really present for any of it. Yeah. And it was a, it was a constant feeling of mine. And now I realize that I spend so much more of my life present than I used to be. Mm. But that comes, it just comes with practice. Mm. And, you know, there's times we, we do group meditations in our program. We had one this morning. And it's just to make sure that when we're there, it's too easy for us to go, ah, do you know, I don't need to do this. But when you've got a group of us there, you're like, no, I've got to, I've got to stick it out. Everyone's here. Yeah, and the accountability. accountability of that, mm. it really, really helps. Um, but yeah, I think, I think finding something that suits you, you know, the, the right voice, the right music, the right ambience, whether it's silence, the right seated position, the right room, the right time of the day, whatever it is. But the, the main thing is if we feel like our minds are too busy for it, then we need it the most. Mm. You know, that is, that's the most important thing. And trying to use it as a reactive measure is excruciating. Like I say, using it proactively means that it might be a bit tough, but the rest of your day, you're going to be much more responsive rather than reactive. Mm. There's that gap between what's happening and you as a person, you as a, you know, the entity, the awareness. And I think the, the larger you can make that gap, the better it is. I used to be very reactive. I would get angry quickly. I would get stressed quickly. I would be happy quickly. And now I see things as they're happening. It's almost like this internal dialogue where I'm like, oh, isn't that interesting? What should we do here? What sh what's the right thing to do here? What's mm. going to make this better? And you have that space. So it kind of removes you from your thoughts in a way that you are no longer reactive. Yeah. And I've seen these benefits in myself and others so many times that it's just about getting it done. And a lot of people, and I'll, I can relate to this, saying, do you know, what? I just didn't find time today. Oh, I really need to do it. I really need to. Do it. I'll do it at some point. When in fact, you could stop what you're doing right now and do it. Mm. You know, even if it's just five minutes, close your eyes, five minutes, sit there and just be with yourself. That's something that's really powerful. And I realized I had these moments of the years, even before I stopped drinking, where I would be doing something and I would think to myself, I really enjoy this. or I'm on some sort of adventure and all I would do for 10 seconds is close my eyes and just be like, remember this moment, remember where you are. And I would take 10 seconds and that was it. And I remember all of those moments because yeah. of that, because I just removed myself from being interacting with the world. And I just went inside myself. And I went, remember this moment. This is a really special moment. Yeah. You'll be thinking about this in 30 years, wishing you were back here. Just take yeah. that on for a second and then carry on with what you're doing. So you anchor yourself to how you felt in that moment and just that 10 second burst, if you like, is enough that is needed to then go on, face the rest of the day. Yeah. And everyone's got 10 seconds, right? No matter how busy you are, you've got 10 seconds. We've got 10 seconds several times throughout the day, many times throughout <laughs> yeah. the day, haven't we? Yeah. I mean, as you were talking there, I was thinking, I, I probably am meditating okay. It's, it, I think it's the, it's separating that. It doesn't have to be anything at the moment. It's the benefits after, if you keep on, if you keep on doing it. There, there was one, in fact, I'm going to try and find it. I'll perhaps do it later that I used to listen to, which was a body scan. Um, so just a scan starting from the head all the way down the body to the toes. And, you know, sometimes I'd be aware of it and I would draw myself to the part of the body and I would really feel that part of the body at the time. Um, for me, it used to make my I, I, I get cold hands a lot, but it used to make my limbs on fire doing this uh I, I don't know what was going on in my body then I'm sure there was perhaps something that was going on because of it um but then other times like you said I, I would be asleep and I'd be like okay what was the point in that falling asleep 
<laughs> but even that in itself, because, you know, it's taken me potentially to that deeper space. Like you were saying about 20 minute nap. Sometimes that is more worthwhile than, you know, full night sleep. And oh, yeah. it, what we, you know, what we get out of it at the time. Yeah. Definitely. And when, when I stayed in that uh, monastery, there was about 120 of us who were there and we would do uh, seated meditation. We do lying meditation. We do walking meditation. And whenever it came to the part of the day where we did lying meditation, there was a lot of snoring in that in that <laughs> monastery. And so many times I would fall asleep and wake up and I'm like, I know that I snore sometimes. So I was like, oh God, did I do it? Um, <laughs> but the, the walking meditation was a new one for me, which I found fascinating. And we walked mm. the same route through the jungle around these big cliffs every day. And every every time we walk, we would we would have to notice what was going on around us. And you would notice like, oh, that stone has moved since yesterday. And you would right. be so aware of what's going on around you. Um, and you would walk with intention, really slowly, really calmly, all yeah. of you in a line. No one talks. Um, it was it's it's a great experience. I'm actually headed back up there uh, in a couple of weeks. So I oh, might I fantastic. might I might revisit and and yeah, do it again. Yeah, I'm going to pay more attention to your Instagram and have a look at some of those photographs <laughs> and that. What made you go decide to go there in the first place in the monastery? Um, do you know, what? it was when I was traveling around Southeast Asia and I was in Sri Lanka and I was sat in this um, hostel and I'm sat on the balcony and some guy had just checked in and he came and sat next to me and he started telling me about this place he'd come from in northern Thailand. And he was talking about this monastery and I thought it sounds really interesting. He said, yeah, you go there for 10 days. You don't talk. You don't say a word. You wear all white clothes. You're in the beautiful mountains up in the north. And you learn from the monks every day. There's like six to eight monks. You feed them in the mornings. You don't eat after midday. You sleep on wooden floors. You get up at 5 a.m. You meditate for eight hours a day. Really, really intense practices. Yeah. And I remember thinking, wow, this sounds, this sounds amazing. I'm going to go there. I'm going to mm. plan to go there. And I think on my journey there, I was telling people about it, going, oh, there's this place I've heard of. And then when I got to the town just before the monastery, it was so much fun. I completely forgot why I was there. And I was, <laughs> you know, I was going to the gym and I was eating and we're going out. I was just, I was loving life. And then suddenly one of the guys I'd met in Sri Lanka arrived to this town. I saw him and I was like, what are you doing here? And he said, I heard about the, mon you, you told me about the monastery. I had to come check it out. And I was like, oh my God, I completely forgot about that. <laughs> so the, the, ne the next day we got on a, we, we got a taxi up there. It's like two hours into the jungle. And they just drop us off in the middle of nowhere. And we're walking up this path big heavy backpacks it's like 30 degrees and we arrive at this beautiful monastery in the mountains it was it was an incredible experience wow um but it's difficult it was very very difficult i've got to say yeah. I'd, I'd gone from eating like five meals a day the delicious thai food to two meals in the morning and then nothing after midday and it, that was the hardest part for me i, mm, I can imagine you're fasting aren't you uh, every day well, that was well that was it up until that point i had never fasted intentionally in my life Mm. That was almost six, uh, five years ago now. So since then, I love my fasting. So I know going back now would actually be a much more enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, I would see the benefits of everything we're doing now. Yeah. Well, that's probably a, a separate conversation. Then I was listening to something about fasting the other day. Off and on, I've listened to things about fasting and I've never quite got there. Um, I did the 24 hour famine thing raising charity when I was younger I did that a couple of times but I, yeah I, I just cannot get my head around because I'm one of those people that I think I've got high metabolism I need food quite regularly I say I need food I probably don't um that's just an assumption a perception um so yeah I can't get my head around the 
the fasting, but have to do it, be present and just journal on, you know, what's happening. And then I'm more I've got to say it. out of every practice that I do, fasting is the one that is meant to be the, the best health benefits, but also makes me feel the best really? without a doubt. And I, I regularly will do a 24 hour fast, but if not, it's usually, you know, intermittent, not eating till midday or afternoon. Every time I've done that, and I've got a few friends who are doing some three-day fasts. Uh, one did one recently, and I'm, I'm going to do mine very soon, actually. But heading to Thailand, it makes me nervous because I love the food. It's just far more yeah. tempting. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's something which I'm, I'm a big believer in fasting. It just mm. completely changes your life. Mm. Okay. Maybe I'll start. Maybe could, Would you recommend maybe just doing once a month? Start off with, see how you go. Yeah, I, to it. be honest. To be honest, I think even planning it, you don't need to. Again, we just go with how we feel. And, okay. you know, what I normally do is because I, I love training so much, I eat so much to compensate. And when I feel like my body's like, give us a rest, I'm yeah. like, okay, let's do it. And I just go with it. I don't yeah. I don't have to pre-plan it. The one thing that is, if you pre-plan a certain amount of time, you won't be able to do more than that amount of time. For okay. instance, mm. if I do 24 hours, when it gets to hour 23, I am so ready to eat. But if I was doing two days, hour 23 wouldn't mean anything to me I'd be fine so yeah. it's all about the the mental intention we put with it which makes it a lot easier or more difficult yeah yeah that intention is is a biggie isn't it just setting that that intention and saying okay this is what's going to happen but I like the idea of just say waking up in the morning and thinking okay today's the day you've yeah. got no time to talk yourself out of it <laughs> yeah I, and that's it's basically how I do all of my things I never pre-plan it I just wake up and think yeah this is what's going to happen today I can feel it and then we just go with it Mm. and again brings you back into that that present mindset i do whatever mm. feels right right now yeah and it's yeah I, I enjoy living like that yeah enjoy yeah live life to the fullest for sure and i think that's a great uh, a great place to end on will thank you very much for your time um is there we'll include some of the the books and some of the resources that we've mentioned in the show notes um i know you've got um you've got a, a teetotal trail on your website that'll include the link for that people can go and uh, and sign up to that to learn more but is there anything that you want to sort of share as just a okay if someone's listening and they're struggling with something whatever that might be um are there maybe a couple of takeaways that you can leave for people yeah well i think you know when i started doing this i wanted people to find help in any aspect that they felt comfortable so obviously i run a program which is a, a mixture of an online community coaching calls both group and one-to-one -one, and an online course and we actually do in-person meetups, which we're doing one this weekend in London, which is going to be great. Um, but as well as that, I, I did my own podcast. I created a podcast just talking about my journey that people can go and listen to. Um, it can all be found through my Instagram, which is Teetotal Trainer. But um, yeah, I think the most important thing to know that whatever anyone is struggling with, you are not alone, not even by uh, a long shot. Like there are so many people. And the, the sooner we realize that and the sooner we get to see that, community and see those people it makes it so much easier mm. so yeah I think just just taking that first step the action is what's most important yeah yeah thank you I think that's a, a really big thing that people tend to they often retreat and go within inside themselves or just you know stay away from other people because they think that they are the ones that are weird or whatever you know narrative they're telling themselves and you know they are alone when really you're right there's people everywhere you're walking down the street you probably pass five people there feeling the same 
experiencing the same and you just don't yeah. know it because we do have these personalities these identities don't we that we sort of you know there's there's well there's lots of different personalities that we play into throughout different days I'm sure but um yeah so thank you very much for that um it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you I know you're a very busy person so thank you for um for generously donating an hour to to chat to me this morning no I loved it thank you for having me Thank you for listening to today's Writing with Purpose podcast. Having conversations with fellow writers or adventure enthusiasts brings two of my biggest loves in life together, writing and nature connection. I've been a copywriter and content creator for 23 years, but my passion is writing for wellbeing and I'm on a mission to share the benefits that putting pen to paper has personal wellness with as many people as possible. If you want to learn more about writing for your wellbeing, and journaling techniques, please connect with me in my Facebook group, Journaling with Anna.